0: Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome to the second part of my conversation with the brilliant minds that made the Yearbook Indiana possible. If you've not yet listened to the first part of this conversation, stop right here and do so. I don't want you to miss all the great stories we covered to get us here. Once you're caught up, enjoy this second part of my conversation with Paulina Osheroff, Morgan Allen and Julie Heath. Here we go. This question goes out to everybody. I'm going to start with Morgan and Paulina. Um, something I keep running into is you have this almost year-long process of sourcing stories, of really combing through What is worth talking about? What is an interesting story that supports our narrative? All these interviews take place. They are written and edited. The photography takes place. You put it all into this beautiful final product. And then what? How do you get the stories out? And you've already given us a little bit of insight, but I would like for also other ecosystem builders to understand the work isn't done once you have the product in hand that is step one. How then do you go about distributing? What are the right channels? Which platforms do you leverage? How do you get the word out about this product? I think the biggest
1: thing is just getting it in people's hands. So we initially ordered 3,000 copies of the yearbook. So we shared that end of November. We ran out of those 3,000 copies in February. So over the course of four months, we distributed 3,000 copies of the yearbook. And that was not only at the launch parties that happened during Global Entrepreneurship Week. It was showing up at community events, giving people a box. It was hearing that there's one community that's interested in investing in entrepreneurship, giving them a box. So distributing those yearbooks was a a key piece. Um, And we've since ordered, I think, 2,000 more um, because we're continuing to get requests for physical copies because there's there's power in that physical coffee table magazine. Pattern did a really great job of making all of the graphics in the yearbook fit for social media as well. So as part of the handoff package for the 2022 yearbook, we got all of the files of the, the entrepreneur stories that we could distribute. We shared that with uh, all of our partners, all of the founders, Because it's great for the IEDC to go on our social media and say, Hey, look at all of these really great things. But it's even more powerful
0: if the founders and the community members do it themselves. 100%. Morgan, sorry to put you on the spot, but if people are listening now and they would like to have a copy of your yearbook from 2022, can they just reach out to you and you send them a copy? So we will provide a
1: request form um, to be included in the the description of the podcast. Shipping these is pretty expensive just because of the huge scale of the yearbook. Um, But if you are one of the first 25 that request a copy, we'll mail you a physical copy and you are always welcome to download the digital version on entrepreneurshipindiana.com.
0: Actually a wonderful plug, you don't have to wait for the hard copy. You can just go online right now and look at the digital version. And then if you really commit it, just send Morian a check for postage and she will mail you some yearbooks, I'm just going to say. Um, Paulina, how do you guys think about distribution apart from putting it into people's hands?
2: Well, first and foremost, I think that thinking about distribution as soon as you think about putting the book together is really key because coming up with a strategy and doing it successfully is, is almost as big of an undertaking as putting the book together itself. Um, certainly the launch events are very much a thing that we enjoy doing and love to do, so getting communities excited and bringing them together for something fun and lighthearted that has this book is I think a really great step. A lot of the economic development stuff's a little dry. Yeah, there's like talking heads and there's like discussions about, you know, money and processes. It, like let's let's just have a community get together where we celebrate each other and the successes that we have and there's going to be cocktails and some food and this amazing magazine and maybe a dj I, I think that that resonates i think social media is a huge part of it too especially for younger generations yes. if, if we're trying to reach gen z's and teach them and give them the opportunity to create their own businesses, then the way to speak to those individuals is definitely on social media. So there has to be almost like a separate campaign specifically designed to deliver all the assets to those folks to help them understand what the possibilities
0: are for them. And of course, as Morgan mentioned, work smarter, not harder. As you're designing the yearbook, be smart about designing for both social endprint so that you're not doing this double work and trying to reformat a hundred graphics and whatever else fits into it. Absolutely. So I think that's really good. Question about those launch parties. Everybody likes a good party. I like a good party. But for me to launch anything in this rural region that I'm working in of about 143 miles along I eighty one, I think I would have to have like seven different launch parties. How in the world did you realize this statewide? How many launch parties? What was the reach? How did you choose that? And if you did it all within Global Entrepreneurship Week, I feel like there must have been so much else going on. Was that a a pro or a con? Tell us a little bit more about the launch party concept. So
1: Indiana is also very rural. So this was a challenge we faced as well. Um, Since we did all of the launch parties during Global Entrepreneurship Week, we did three. So we broke our state into thirds, north, central, south and had a launch party in each community. Um, since that was such a large geographic area, we did see some stakeholder drop-off when you get to the edges of that region, but people drove hours to come to this party, hours. In Northern Indiana, there was a huge snowstorm the same night as a launch party, and people very dangerously <laughs> still drove hours to come to this launch party. So while we did have kind of the really fun parties during Global Launch Week, We did also do those pop-up events and the outreach events following, so going into the smaller communities and bringing a box. Even though that wasn't a, a big, fancy, splashy launch party, it's still a launch for their community, and that's how we brought everyone into the fold.
0: Was the launch party merely raising a toast, or were there panel discussions? Were there speakers? How was the content organized? It was intentionally not stuffy. So we
1: wanted these to be approachable, be fun, celebrate the founders. So there was a like five minutes dedicated to the pitch, explaining what the yearbook is, explaining what the IEDC is, raising a toast. But the majority of time was just those natural collisions. I think one of my favorite experiences of the launch party was when founders took their yearbook and they went around um, and were showing people their stories. And then we had people that were attending would come up and say, hey, you're in the yearbook. Will you sign your story? Just like a, a traditional high school yearbook, people were signing, signing their stories. People don't need to listen to a panel. We want those natural connections just to happen in the
0: room. Wonderful. I love that. Thank you, Morgan. The big question, I've been taking notes on all the things that you did, everything you created. It sounds like a lot of work. Writing and photography, project management, printing. 5,000 copies by now. And then launch parties. All this sounds like it's going to cost a lot of money. Julie, what can you tell us about how to finance such an ambitious undertaking?
3: Well, first off, I can't understate the importance of leadership because we had a governor who appointed an entrepreneur to be our secretary of commerce. And because he made entrepreneurship a priority, as well as external engagement, there were going to be resources going toward this type of work. So we knew that there would be budget. We didn't know how much initially, but there's this idea where even if you don't know the scale, you can have the same quality in a cupcake as you can have in a birthday cake, as you can have in a wedding cake. So you can go in with that intention and scale up or scale down as the financial resources become available. And the second part of it, um, that I'll speak to is use of funds, and then I'll I'll hand the mic to Morgan to to dig in a bit. But because we engaged a local nonprofit that advances the creative economy, the majority of the budget went to paying creative entrepreneurs who photographed and wrote and designed stories. The use of funds was directly aligned with the priority area's goal to advance entrepreneurship. And I don't think I want to lose that Insight in terms of the alignment of the use of funds.
0: Hey, I don't want to distract you from this awesome conversation, but I do want to let you know that I curate a fortnightly newsletter with resources, events, and behind-the-scenes insights into the show. I would love to pop into your inbox every two weeks to hand-deliver those goodies. Sign up through the link in the show notes. And now, back to the show. I'm not sure it's a coincidence, but how fortunate to have an organization like Pattern Indie that already has this expertise and has the men and women power to pull this off. And so to directly invest into the creative community by sort of funneling them into the supply chain to create something so wonderful and monumental, I think really just speaks volumes for the fact that you guys get it. This is what it's all about. So I love that. Morgan, can you provide a little bit more detail around, the financing and the numbers?
1: Yeah, I will give you the numbers because I know it's it's hard to put an idea of what a budget would even look like to something that you have never done before. When we started working with Pattern on the 2022 yearbook, it was a how might we? And then we started throwing some numbers into a spreadsheet to figure out what that dollar amount would be. So in 2022... Uh, the the cost of the yearbook was $170,000. So that was printing. So the 3,000 copies, that was the, the interviewing, the photography, the design work, um, the project management, the pattern did. All in cost for 2022 was $170,000. And we'll say lessons learned for 2023, that was not enough. So for the 2023 yearbook, We've lumped that up $60,000. So we're currently sitting at a budget of $230,000 for the yearbook. Um, And I think we're we're all in a good space um, with that number. It it allowed Paulina to bring on the project manager to really oversee the process on the back end. Um, It allows us to bring in specialized writers um, like yourself to work with the, the external partners and the, the ecosystem experts and be able to, to tell that story in a really powerful way. Um, since we are the state, all of our contracts are available to the public. So if you go to the IEDC's transparency portal, you can download a copy of our contract with Pattern. You can see an example of what that scope of work would look like, what the timeline looks like, um, and
3: then really get those details
0: your hand. What a great resource. Thank you, Morgan. Julie?
3: Well, whenever you think about use of funds, you always think about, okay, what's the return on this thing? And so it allows us to also um, dig deeper into those impact stories. What is the return on investment for this priority? So you will likely see in 2023, a story around calculations that we have done to try to figure out how to talk about those financial returns back to the state. An example is GDP, contributed by our youngest companies in Indiana. It's a very quick way to say, here is a concrete number that we can look to to say uh, what what the returns to the state coffers will be when we advance this group of companies.
0: That is so powerful to have. I wish every ecosystem builder had those numbers to speak to the value and return on investment for every new company that starts out in our backyard to make the case for those who don't, who don't get it yet. And just make sure they understand what this means in terms of just taxes and reinvestment and employment and all of the other intangible effects that are just as important to a community. So this is really cool. And I can't wait to see what that looks like in the yearbook 2023. As far as storytelling goes, I mean, you run this amazing magazine, you probably rub shoulders with people doing this kind of thing for a living, which is really cool. What kind of trends are you seeing in this space of journalism and storytelling and narrative change?
2: Well, I'm not sure if it's a trend per se, but I think people are ready for good news. I, I think that, um, you know. Our mainstream media is really good at serving up all the bad news and a lot of fear-mongering, and I think people are just exhausted. And Pattern, as a publication, has always been about sharing great stories and celebrating the successes of our creators and our ecosystem. And I think the same applies for the Entrepreneurial Yearbook. You know, everything in there is really optimistic, right? It's like, what's possible if... All of these resources are in the right hands if people's motivation and drive allows them to take risks and try to solve problems in unique ways. And, and I think that maybe maybe we're ahead of the curve, right? Like, I hope that it's a trend that is growing. And when people see and read these stories that they are like, this is what I need more of in my life, this type of, uh, this type of inspiration and motivation. So that's kind of, that's my perception of it, if you
0: will. Absolutely. Um, Follow-on question here for all three of you, whoever wants to answer. Is there any intention to go beyond Indiana in the sense of pitching some of those stories to national news outlets and expanding the reach to draw attention to all the good stuff that's already happening in the state of Indiana, apart from being on Ecosystems for Change, of course?
1: Yeah, so it's already being done. Um, We at the, the IEDC, we have a team that is taking these stories and pitching them to larger news organizations, because it's great that we get our story out in the state and we have Hoosiers be proud that they're from Indiana, um, but we also want people from outside of our community to see all of the really great stuff that is happening here. For example, getting founders like Folia into a national news story to tell about why they moved their business to Indiana, or attending the Global Entrepreneurship Congress and showing people. The, the powerful founders um, that are from Indiana, the the yearbook is just a start, but we want to make sure that the impact just continues to
0: be multiplied. I feel like we're comrades in arms in some way, because here in the Shenandoah Valley, we have some really cool stories about entrepreneurship in rural America. And I'm constantly trying to figure out how do we get these stories out? Like you said, it's really nice. We pat each other on the back and I think it's really important, but these stories are too good and too important to keep to ourselves. And I think if you guys are doing it in Indiana and we're doing it in the Shenandoah Valley, that is another type of narrative change around rural entrepreneurship and around people in America doing really cool stuff by becoming entrepreneurs and by revitalizing their local economies. And that's the kind of story I do want to tell on a national stage. So sounds like I will have to pick your brain, Morgan. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, For all three of you, I would love to hear one piece of advice that you would give to ecosystem builders who want to tell the stories of entrepreneurs and accomplices in their ecosystem and don't know where to start. I'm going to start with Julie, hand it off to Morgan, and finish up with Paulina.
3: My advice is start, make something, then let people react. Many people can't envision the value until it is in their hands, until they experience it. And then be open to the action that inspired people take. I'll give you a concrete example. The first weekend we received these yearbooks off the printer, we did a a program with our high school entrepreneurship program. A senator attended. He flipped through this yearbook and said, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. He really was positively impacted and inspired by this publication and he then said, "What our state needs is an entrepreneurship caucus." So the action that can happen as a result of inspiration and optimism—just uh, get ready for the ride.
0: You should have seen me gasp. I mean, the ladies on this podcast did, but everyone who's listening, I just gasped out loud because I think that's that's a really cool testament to the power of storytelling. Morgan, what about you?
1: Find your Paulina. So I think as ecosystem builders there is this idea that you have to be able to do it all like oh i need to be a master connector i need to be a web developer i need to be a storyteller i need to be a public speaker you don't have to do it all but find the good people that can be in your corner and to help you do it um so paulina for us is that that force uh, to be reckoned with in the state of indiana so (laughs) Paulina's uh, crying or laughing. I can't tell. But find your Paulina because the the power of having a force like that in your corner um, is just something that can't be underestimated.
2: You guys are too nice. Here's the upside. The the great news is that ecosystem builders are perfectly positioned to be storytellers, right? Because what is storytelling except for building great relationships and being a really good listener, right? So. If you're an ecosystem builder, you're probably halfway there because you know which stories need to be told. You already have a long list of individuals that should be highlighted. So yes, the next step would be finding a partner, somebody that can help you express that and put it out into the physical world. And to Julie's point, for, for leadership, it, it is. It's a little bit of a leap of faith. Um, I know that it's hard for folks in charge to commit you know, a significant amount of money to doing something that's untried and untested. But I think that we have a really great test case here and I'm happy to to talk to anybody and provide more details about how this came together and how it's been hugely successful and how folks that weren't convinced are now like our best advocates and are all about it and want to do it again.
0: I love hearing this. And at this point, I feel like I want to thank all of you for creating this prototype as julie said earlier it's really hard to imagine something if you've never seen it before but i feel like you guys created this role model of what it can be what it can look like that empowers ecosystem builders like us to now go out and say hey look what these guys are doing can we do a version of that locally here's what they learned here's the return on investment that they've seen and here's how this is galvanized economic activity in their community. So thank you to all of you. And I know all the teams that are shoulder to shoulder with you to make this happen. Before we move on to the rapid fire round here, I want to let our listeners know that they can find out more about the yearbook at entrepreneurshipindiana.com or simply Google Entrepreneurship Indiana yearbook, and you will find it. Of course, I will put the link into the show notes. So. Don't you fret it. Also, I want to point all of you to patternindie.com. That is a publication and organization that we've been talking about and talking to. So go check them out. Go down every possible rabbit hole. You can connect with Julie and Morgan on LinkedIn as well as with Paulina at Pattern Indie and LinkedIn as well. All right, final three. I've never done a rapid fire round with three guests. So we'll see how this goes. We are going to keep the order from before. Julie, Morgan, Paulina. I start a sentence and you finish it. Julie, storytelling is...
3: The way we make the invisible visible.
0: Morgan, storytelling is... Powerful. Polina, storytelling is...
2: Powerful tool for connecting people, inspiring change, and
3: building understanding.
0: A storyteller that everyone should know about is...
3: Nita Ansari of HG Ventures and the founder of Hard Tech Indiana.
0: Super. Everybody who's listening, you met Nita Ansari as part of our Unsung Heroes campaign just a few weeks ago. And if you haven't checked it out yet, I'll put the link in the show notes. Morgan, who's a storyteller that everybody else should know about?
1: Mitch Fraser with the Ag Bioscience podcast.
0: Paulina.
2: I'm going to plug my dear friend, Denisha Ferguson, who is heading up Indiana Fashion Week. Um, I think she's been doing an incredible job and I wish more people would listen to
0: her storytelling. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I will put links to everything into the show notes so you can all dive a little bit deeper and meet these storytellers. Lastly, what is one resource that influenced you that you would recommend to other storytellers? Julie?
3: The People I Mostly Admire podcast done by Stephen Levitt, the University of Chicago economist who wrote Freakonomics. And I'm going to do a second one. I'm going to break break the rules. Go for it. There's a, there's a book called Dear Data, and it's an incredible book of, of visual storytelling from two people who sent postcards to each other. They're both data illustrators, and it is jaw-droppingly good.
0: Morgan?
1: The entrepreneurial ecosystem building course that Dell Gines did with Project Deep. It's great to know all of the founders and the stories that we want to tell. But I think that course is really helpful in understanding the shared language of ecosystem building and making sure that it's a thread we pull all the way through our storytelling.
0: Paulina?
2: I'm going to say How to Take Over the World podcast by Ben Wilson. He summarizes biographies and autobiographies of just incredible world-class founders and businessmen and and pulls out... Uh, Some really inspiring and tangible things to help people to persist in the journey, the entrepreneurial journey, which is often hard and long and lonely. And so I love some of the motivational quotes and stories that he pulls out, kind of puts a little
0: oomph into my day when I'm not feeling it. What a high note to end on. Ladies, thank you so much for making the time and joining me on Ecosystems for Change. I can't wait to see the yearbook 2023 and see what's happening beyond. Thank you so much. Bye.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Find out more about Pattern at patternindie.com and subscribe to their awesome newsletter while you're there. You can peruse the Indiana yearbook at entrepreneurshipindiana.com and check out IEDC's virtual ecosystem map at connectind.com. Mark your calendars for the 2023 yearbook, which will launch during Global Entrepreneurship Week in November 2023. You can connect with all three guests via LinkedIn. The links are in the show notes as always. A heartfelt thank you to my partners at Ecomap Technologies for making this season possible. Head over to ecomap.tech to learn more about how they use modern technology to make ecosystem information more accessible. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, the Monakan, Shawanda Satula, and Monahawk people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.